When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Welcome back to Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. I'm your host, Jay Harris. I've had over 20 years of experience as a journalist and sportscaster, hosting a variety of ESPN shows from SportsCenter to Outside the Lines. But on this podcast, I do less straight-up commentary and more squeezing juice from the biggest sports scandals in history, that is. It's not easy to quench your thirst for the inside scoop, but hey, all in a day's work, right? I love my job. I love scooping and stirring up the facts to serve you a sensational story with some real depth. I'm a lucky guy. After all, only 49% of Americans are satisfied with their job, according to the Pew Research Center. And you know who I'm thinking really, really didn't enjoy their job within that other 51%? The jurors in the Marcus Dixon case. You remember where we left off in the last episode of Playing Dirty, right? 18-year-old black football sensation Marcus Dixon, who had believed himself to be on an unstoppable path to playing for the Vanderbilt Commodores on a full scholarship, was instead fighting for his freedom in court after being accused by 15-year-old white sophomore Christy Brown of rape. And the prosecution, led by Floyd County DA John McClellan, had made some strong points for the jury's consideration. Christy was under the state age of consent, had bruising, by all accounts, hadn't known Marcus well at all prior to the sexual act taking place on February 10, 2003, and would arguably have been unlikely to lose her virginity during a janitorial shift in a worn-down school trailer. Plus, Marcus had two prior incidents of sexual misbehavior on his record. He'd been suspended for exposing himself in a classroom in 2001, and had shoved his hands down the pants of a 14-year-old girl after track practice in 2002. For Marcus's defense, attorney David Balzer had also pulled out all the stops, countering each of the prosecution's points with valid reasons why the threshold necessary to constitute Marcus's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt had not been met. 
Christie's vaginal bruising could have been caused by rough, consensual sex rather than rape. Her father was alleged to be racist and therefore could have manipulated her testimony. And just because Marcus had prior sexual offenses didn't necessarily mean that his behavior had progressed to rape. In fact, 97% of sex offenders don't repeat offend within three years. The jurors in Marcus Dixon's trial had an unenviable job because regardless of political and social views, which vary and can be incredibly polarizing, one thing everyone can agree on is that at least one teenager in this tale was fated to receive the short end of the stick of justice. So we're back in the courtroom on May 14, 2003, waiting alongside the presiding judge, Walter J. Matthews, to hear what the jury determined. The four-person rose and announced that the jury found Marcus not guilty of rape, sexual battery, aggravated assault, and false imprisonment. Marcus, his family, and his legal team breathed an audible sigh of relief, but it was short-lived because the four-person continued saying the jury found Marcus Dixon guilty of both statutory rape and aggravated child molestation. Rape and statutory rape are very different charges, to be clear. Rape involves non-consensual sex with a person who is otherwise legally able to consent, meaning that rape often requires the use of threats, fraud, or force. Statutory rape, on the other hand, involves sex with a person who is not able to legally consent because they are below the age of consent. So even if the sex is consensual, if a person under the legal age of consent is involved, the sex act constitutes statutory rape for the older participant. What the jury in the Marcus Dixon case ruled was that statutory rape had occurred due to Christie's age, but they believed the sex to be consensual. So what did these charges mean for Marcus? Well, Marcus was bound to be charged with statutory rape in any event due to the irrefutable fact that Christy was just too young to lawfully engage in sexual intercourse. She was a couple of weeks shy of her 16th birthday when the sex occurred, putting her under the legal age of consent for the state of Georgia. But given Marcus's age, just two and a half years older than Christy himself, and how close Christy was to her 16th birthday, the statutory rape charge would be a misdemeanor. And while a misdemeanor certainly isn't helpful to have on your record, it doesn't typically end football careers. In fact, based on a study that looked at the criminal records of NFL players from 2000 to 2009, about 24% of players have been arrested at least once for a wide variety of reasons, and 18% have a criminal record. But the aggravated child molestation charge, well, that would reshape Marcus Dixon's life. An agonizing week went by while Marcus waited to hear the judge's sentence. His legal team likely told him all of the potential outcomes. Even so, the shock when the sentence was announced, even for Marcus's highly experienced defense attorney, David Balzer, must have been profound. At sentencing, Judge Walter J. Matthews declared, the minimum sentence for aggravated child molestation is 10 years. In addition to the prison sentence, I am adding five years, which may be served on probation. What this meant is that Marcus Dixon was not going to be on the gridiron at Vanderbilt. Marcus Dixon would spend the next 10 years of his young life in prison, labeled a child sex offender. 
Now, I need all of you to do me a favor. I need you to focus. Like green juice guzzling level focus. Your personal thoughts about what did or did not happen between Marcus and Christie on February 10, 2003 have to be put to one side for the moment. I know that this is very difficult. We're hardwired to latch onto our heartfelt, empathetic beliefs. A University of Virginia study conducted in 2013 all but confirmed this. And of course, my request is especially tough here because the truth is always of the utmost importance. Of course it is. But the reality is that we are never going to know with 100% certainty what happened between these two teenagers. The truth has proved elusive in the Marcus Dixon case now for more than two decades. So it's crucial to park personal speculation to focus on what we do know with certainty. And what we know is that at this point in the Marcus Dixon story, the scandal shifts away from what did or did not actually happen and instead moves to the actual sentence. The severity of Marcus Dixon's sentence was shocking even to the jurors who had found him guilty. In fact, almost immediately after his sentencing, five of the nine jurors from Marcus Dixon's trial actively and very publicly campaigned for his conviction to be dismissed and for the apparent loophole in Georgia's child protection laws to be changed. Juror Kathy Tippett said, I wanted to call his parents and tell them we had made a mistake. You see, the severity of the sentence was a consequence of Georgia's sentencing laws implemented in 1995 during a law and order session led by then-Governor Zell Miller. The legislation, known as the Seven Deadly Sins Law, imposed rigid sentencing guidelines for serious offenses, including a minimum 10-year prison term for crimes like kidnapping, rape, aggravated sodomy, aggravated sexual battery, armed robbery, and, of course, the more severe of the two charges that applied to Marcus Dixon, aggravated child molestation. An immediate firestorm of controversy exploded around Marcus Dixon's scandalous sentence. The jury had unanimously declared that Marcus had not committed forcible rape. In other words, they did not believe Christie's story of a violent attack. So why then would the law mandate Marcus pay such a harsh penalty for sex that a jury verdict said was consensual? Could that really have been the intent of the Georgia legislature when they passed the rules in 1995? Marcus's defense attorney, David Balser, didn't think so, and he didn't miss a beat. An appeal was promptly filed to overturn Marcus's sentence. The first appeal failed, and so David Balser pushed onwards, filing appeal for consideration by Georgia's Supreme Court. Just as they had gathered the evening before his initial trial, Marcus Dixon's family and supporters, now including several prominent political leaders, participated in a large prayer meeting the night before his appeal to the Georgia Supreme Court. Among those present was Matt Towery, an American political analyst and pollster, television commentator, attorney, and former Georgia state legislator who actually helped craft the Child Protection Act of 1995, the specific legislation used to sentence people convicted of aggravated child molestation. He said the Marcus Dixon situation was not the intent of those laws. The law was designed to protect kids against really, really bad people doing very bad things, Matt Tower stated. I still feel the responsibility so many years later that it turned out the way it did. Matt Towery has said again and again that when the law was written in 1995, it was meant to strengthen laws against adult child molesters. 
The law was never meant to be used against teens engaging in consensual sex acts. Both the prosecution and the defense were allotted 20 minutes to make their case to the Georgia Supreme Court justices for or against an appeal of Marcus Dixon's sentence. Now, keep in mind that the normal rules of court protocol are different in a Supreme Court, so this process was not like Marcus's previous trial. Justices are allowed to interrupt the attorneys on both sides with questions and are allowed to cut to the chase to get specific questions addressed. Defense attorney David Balzer opened his appeal to the Georgia Supreme Court with a strong singular claim that Marcus's sentence constituted cruel and unusual punishment since no other Georgia teenager had ever been prosecuted for child molestation under the new laws. And as we discussed in the last episode of Playing Dirty, Marcus certainly wasn't the first teenager to have sex without consideration for the law, a law which, let's face it, he may or may not have been aware of as an 18-year-old focused on football and grades. During David Balzer's 20 minutes of the hearing, different judges naturally wanted different issues addressed and clarified. At one point, he was asked about how much leniency the lower court was allowed by law in sentencing. David Balzer answered that the district attorney for the prosecution, John McClellan, did have the option of leniency, but chose to aggressively prosecute Marcus under the more serious of the two sentences. In other words, pursuing Marcus for felony aggravated child molestation instead of misdemeanor statutory rape. Marcus's attorney went on to assert that it was inconsistent with Georgia legal precedent and that the prosecution pursuing Marcus for aggravated child molestation had left the judge with no choice but to levy the 10-year sentence per Georgia's 1995 Seven Deadly Sins Law. In determining whether a sentence is cruel and unusual, what you have to do is look at society's view of the conduct at issue here, David Balzer exclaimed near the end of his time before the court. The 10-year sentence imposed on Marcus Dixon in this case for engaging in non-rape sexual intercourse between an 18-year-old and a 15-and-a-half-year-old so deviates from society's view of this conduct and so shocks the conscience that the court should reverse the decision and find that the punishment as applied on the facts of this case violates the constitutional prohibitions against cruel and unusual punishment. And with that, Marcus Dixon's attorney rested, waiting to hear how the prosecution would counter. But before Floyd District Attorney John McClellan even reached the podium for his statement, one justice began her questioning. Let me ask you this question before you even get started. Does the state contend that this defendant, if there had been no injury, could have been charged with and convicted of child molestation? Yes, Your Honor, replied John McClellan. There is nothing that would have prevented him from being charged with or convicted of child molestation. So anytime there is consensual sex between teenagers who fall within the right legal parameters, there's the possibility that one or both could be charged with child molestation, the justice pushed for clarity. Yes, Your Honor, replied John McClellan. The female justice was increasingly incredulous. So even if she were 15 and a half and he were 16 and a half, you could have charged him with child molestation? There is absolutely nothing in the child molestation statute that would have restricted the state's rights to charge him with child molestation, replied John McClellan. At this point, for most people in attendance at the appeal, the prosecution's logic beggared belief. The justice continued to pursue John McClellan for some semblance of sense. So if a 17-year-old is with a 15-and-a-half-year-old, or maybe she's two or three days away from turning 16, and they're petting, 
and the parents come in and find them. He could be charged with child molestation, she asked. Yes, Your Honor, replied John McClellan. And then a final question from the persistent, astounded justice. What if there's some pressure applied and there are some bruises? He could receive 10 years? Yes, Your Honor. Under the way the current statute is written, he could, said John McClellan. In other words, beware of sending your kids to prom. Apparently giving the wrong teenager a hickey could land your child 10 years behind bars under this law. Having turned heads with the unrelenting severity of the prosecution's approach to the Marcus Dixon case, John McClellan spent most of his 20 minutes in the Georgia Supreme Court trying to defend his claim that Marcus's sentence was appropriate, arguing that there was some disagreement between jurors about whether Christie had, in fact, been raped. And while he admitted that the jury did, in fact, unanimously find Marcus not guilty of rape, John McClellan argued that because there had been some alleged disagreement between some jurists to arrive at that verdict, in his opinion, that opened the ethical door for the prosecution, for him to ask for the harsher punishment. Wow. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. It's hard to wash down that statement from the prosecution, huh? And if you think that you just cleansed your palate a little with that last sip, then think again, because I haven't even dished out the dash of hypocrisy yet. In John McClellan's final moments addressing the Georgia Supreme Court, he discussed how much leeway the courts had in sentencing Marcus Dixon or other people accused of crimes. 
he asserted that he had no choice but to prosecute Marcus Dixon for aggravated child molestation. Two of the justices couldn't hide their contempt. Have you ever plea bargained a case? One justice asked him sarcastically. Then the other justice, practically eye-rolling, noted that the entire concept of plea bargaining, something that John McClellan admitted to doing routinely, is based on the notion of sentencing discretion. On Monday, May 3, 2004, the High Court overturned the aggravated child molestation conviction against Marcus Dixon in a 4-3 ruling. In issuing the majority opinion, Chief Justice Norman Fletcher said that Marcus Dixon should have been punished only for the lesser crime, the misdemeanor of statutory rape. But since Marcus had already served a year in prison, he had served sufficient time for that crime. Chief Justice Norman Fletcher went on to say that lawmakers had clearly not intended the child molestation law to be used in cases like Marcus Dixon's, and that they had in fact acted in 1996, just one year after passing the Seven Deadly Sins law, to lessen the penalties for sex between teenagers. The world shifted 180 degrees for Marcus Dixon with his successful appeal. The jail warden called up the Jones house with Marcus on the line, and Marcus said, Pops, I'm coming home. Ken Jones will remember the moment he got that call forever, recalling that Marcus started crying and I started crying. The relief was palpable, and by that very same Monday evening, Marcus Dixon was home with his family. Now, being released from prison and returned to his family was a big win. But if Marcus expected a happily ever after immediately after his appeal, well, he was mistaken. First, Pepperell High School formally expelled Marcus with only one course short of graduation. This expulsion was a poignant reminder of the collateral damage he could anticipate from the past year of legal proceedings. While some people embraced him, his case had stirred up a powerful pot of prejudice that was now boiling over with a vengeance. Pepperell High School was a Georgia institution, and at this point, local tensions were at a tipping point. Alvin Jackson, former president of the Rome, Georgia chapter of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, said the case had churned up long, hidden veins of racism that run through Rome. He warned Marcus to get far away from Rome and fast to start a new life. I don't think his chances are good here. It's not safe, Alvin Jackson said. When Marcus goes somewhere else, gets a new start, people will support him. But it was hard for Marcus to know just where to go. Vanderbilt's scholarship offer was no longer on the table, and his case had ignited a powerful comparison to another hot-button political tale, resulting in widespread national dissonance. You see... The Marcus Dixon case had played out in stark contrast to another man's sexual dalliance, Strom Thurmond. Strom Thurmond was an American politician who represented South Carolina in the U.S. Senate from 1954 until shortly before his death in 2003. He's best known for conducting the longest speaking filibuster ever by a lone senator at 24 hours and 18 minutes in length in opposition to the Civil Rights Act of 1957. So basically, Strom talked for over a day by himself in support of racial segregation. But just because he didn't want to associate with black people in public didn't stop him from impregnating Carrie Butler, his family's 16-year-old black maid, when he was 22 years old. Strom Thurmond paid Carrie's family hush money so that his taking advantage of a teenage black employee didn't interfere with his public image as he pursued a political career. Anyway... 
When Strom Thurmond's illegitimate daughter, Essie Mae Washington Williams, born by Carrie Butler, was asked about what had transpired at her conception, she stressed that the South Carolina senator had magnanimously provided funds. And society accepted this, effectively labeling white man Strom Thurmond a generous patriarch for paying for his sex with a black teenager. Whereas in 2003, by contrast, Marcus Dixon, a black man having sex with a white teenager, was labeled a predator. As James E. McWilliams, a history teacher at Texas State University of San Marcos wrote, when it comes to justice, Senator Thurman knew it as well as Marcus Dixon. Race still matters. For Thurman, it mattered to his benefit. Dixon, trapped by the tenacious grip of a pernicious stereotype, hasn't been so fortunate. And it seemed that Professor McWilliams was right. Marcus Dixon's case had become the key example of a disturbing pattern. Individuals of color often face harsher repercussions, harsher sentences than their Caucasian counterparts for similar allegations. But Marcus didn't want his future to be tied to his politically polarizing legal past or allegations of sexual predation. He didn't want to be a symbol. He was a 245-pound, 19-year-old who still had the same dream he'd had 15 months earlier before his arrest. Marcus wanted to play football, and Vanderbilt no longer wanted him. So Ken and Perry Jones did what loving parents do, which is basically anything and everything they can think of to keep their child's dream alive. We started calling some of the schools who had shown an interest in Marcus earlier, Perry Jones said, and the Jones didn't stop making calls until they got a positive answer. At last, the coaches at Hampton University extended a scholarship offer to Marcus. Joe Taylor, the head coach of Hampton University, did his due diligence before extending the offer. A lot of people down in the Atlanta area called me about him, said he was a good kid, Taylor recalled. It was clear that despite his historic challenges, there were still people who believed in second chances and who had a desire to help Marcus advance to the next stage of his life. Hampton University is one of the top historically black universities in the world and sits right near the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay in Virginia. It is home to approximately 3,000 students, offers more than 100 different degree programs, and proved to be the perfect place for Marcus's next chapter. At then Division I Hampton University, Marcus shone on the gridiron. He displayed the talent that once made him an elite recruit. Over four seasons, Marcus racked up 154 tackles and 11 and a half sacks. Under the guidance of his coach, Joe Taylor, Marcus reached new levels of physical excellence, contributing significantly to three MEAC championships. He even earned all Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference honors in both his junior and senior seasons, a testament to his hard work and talent. Marcus never did outrun the media interest in his story, though. In 2012, eight years after his release from jail, Marcus finally agreed to appear on one of the most influential platforms in America, The Oprah Winfrey Show. This appearance wasn't just another interview. It was a moment of profound reflection and recognition. On Oprah's show, Marcus opened up about his experience with a level of candor that resonated with millions. It's been 10 years and it's behind me, he said. But Marcus Dixon has been accused of rape for the rest of my life. That is going to be associated with my name, he acknowledged. This statement underscored the enduring impact of his conviction and the legal wrangling afterward. Despite the sentencing injustice he had undeniably faced, Marcus spoke of forgiveness, a value instilled in him by his grandmother to Oprah. 
My grandmother taught me at a young age, you don't hold grudges. If you hold grudges, all you're doing is holding your life back, he shared. Oprah, with her characteristic empathy and insight, delved into the emotional and psychological impact these events had on Marcus and his family. Marcus's adoptive father, Ken Jones, reflected on his son's resilience, expressing immense pride. Marcus is stronger than I am. I've always wanted my kids to grow up and be better than me. And he has. And that is a very touching statement from a parent, one that certainly resonated with TV viewers. But Oprah's interview, much like our podcast, Playing Dirty, was determined not to take sides. Balanced juice is the best for the system, after all. So Oprah included Marcus's accuser, Christy Brown, on her show, too. How would time impacted Christie's view of what transpired on February 10, 2003? Well, it hadn't. Christie maintained that the sex was not consensual. She said that Marcus Dixon assaulted her. When Oprah pressed her, remarking that many people believed that the case would never have gone to court at all had it been a white 18-year-old boy and a black 15-year-old girl, Christie defended her initial decision to come forward and accuse Marcus Dixon. That's not true, Christie told Oprah. It doesn't matter what color he is. It's his actions that make it wrong. This is why I told you to put your personal speculation regarding what did or did not happen on February 10th, 2003 to one side. Because we don't know. We can't know. Only Christy and Marcus will ever know. So the only part of this story that we do know to be outrageous, to be scandalous, was the extremity of the legal sentence handed down to Marcus. That was absolutely unjust because it was not commensurate with other defendant's sentences for similar crimes. So what happened to Marcus Dixon, who found himself at the center of an egregious sentencing scandal? Well, despite his reputational baggage, the Dallas Cowboys saw potential in Marcus and signed him as an undrafted free agent on April 27, 2008, to a three-year, $1.1 million deal. I saw my name on a locker, M. Dixon, with the Dallas Cowboys. I had a big star on my helmet. I had my jersey hanging up. I had cleats and everything, and I was like, wow. I'm in the NFL, Marcus recalled, overwhelmed by the realization of his dream. However, his time with the Dallas Cowboys was plagued by injuries, limiting his playing time and leading to his release in 2010. The New York Jets claimed him off waivers the very next day. Marcus found acceptance in the Jets organization, even with his past, maybe even in part because of it. One teammate, Bart Scott, expressed his admiration for Marcus saying he showed a lot of resilience and character getting through all the legal challenges. Marcus himself has said the convictions and jail time made him realize that life is short and that nothing should be taken for granted. After a stint with the Jets, where he played in 22 games, Marcus briefly joined the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tennessee Titans, but was released before the regular season began. He retired from professional football in April 2015. But Marcus wasn't finished with the NFL, not by a long shot. Many players go on to coach after their playing career ends. And remember, Marcus was an honors student. Those smarts come in awfully handy on the sidelines of a football game. And so after hanging up his cleats, Marcus Dixon turned his focus to coaching. In 2012, he began as a volunteer defensive line coach at Shorter University. His coaching ability was recognized early on leading to a Bill Walsh Minority Coaching Fellowship with the Dallas Cowboys in 2015. 
The following year, Marcus joined Darlington School as an assistant football coach, where he managed the defensive line and tight ends. He got valuable coaching experience in both college and the pros. In 2017, Marcus returned to Hampton University, his alma mater, as the defensive line assistant football coach. His role expanded over the years, adding the responsibilities of director of player development and recruiting coordinator. And then, with all of this coaching experience under his belt, Marcus joined the Los Angeles Rams as their assistant defensive line coach. He was back in the NFL on the other side of the gridiron. His role with the Rams led to a pinnacle moment in his career, winning his first Super Bowl championship when Los Angeles defeated Cincinnati in Super Bowl 56. At age 18, sitting in a Georgia prison, Marcus probably never imagined he'd one day have a Super Bowl ring all his own. In 2022, Marcus Dixon was hired by the Denver Broncos as the team's defensive line coach. In his first season, he made an immediate impact with the Broncos' defense ranking 7th in total defense and 10th in rushing defense in the league. His guidance was instrumental in the development of players like Draymond Jones, who achieved a team-leading 6.5 sacks in just 13 games. Off the field, Marcus Dixon is now a devoted husband and father, married with three children. His personal life today reflects the stability and love that have been constants for him since he was 12 years old, thanks to Ken and Perry Jones. Marcus Dixon's story is one of resilience, redemption, and the transformative power of sport. But it's also a cautionary tale about race and the legal system and how their intersection can destroy lives. Statistics compiled by the Innocence Project show a pattern of continued discrimination and disparity in the United States legal treatment and sentencing of black people. Innocent black people are seven times more likely to be wrongfully convicted of murder than innocent white people. It takes 45% longer to exonerate an innocent black person than an innocent white person, and police misconduct occurred in more than half of all wrongful murder conviction cases involving innocent black people. I've given you a lot to digest. Stay thirsty, people, and meet me, your host, Jay Harris, back here for next week's episode of Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals is a production of Dan Patrick Productions, Never Ever Productions, and Workhouse Media from executive producers Dan Patrick, Paul Anderson, Nick Panella, Maya Glickman, and Jennifer Clary. Hosted by Jay Harris. Written and produced by Jen Brown, Francie Hakes, Maya Glickman, and Jennifer Clary. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.